Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Welcome to today's episode of Where the Lotus Grows. Today we're going to be discussing the first in a five-part series of the musculoskeletal conditions, starting today with probably the most popular condition that's associated with or uh, prescribed or referred to for yoga therapy and other movement therapies and other modalities, and that's low back pain. So I think even if you go into a Google search engine and you type in yoga for low back pain is like one of the top things that's going to show up. It's the most common pain related issue uh, referred to for movement therapies. Like I said, common causes and conditions are weak core and proper use of the low back, maybe causing injury, disc herniation, rupture, scar tissue buildup or stenosis. Uh, Just to give a little context, we'll go over the basic anatomy and function of the low back or the spine itself, not just the low back, but the back itself. You've got your three natural curves or parts of the spine, the cervical curve at the neck, the thoracic curve, which is like the rib cage, and the lumbar spine, which is low back. So LBP, low back pain, typically concerns the lumbar sacral part of the spine. The spine consists of the vertebrae, intervertebral discs, spinal cord and nerve, nerve roots, and the pelvis and sacrum. Yeah, so I really wanted to share some things that I've learned in experiential anatomy, and I think you took that course as well. Yes. You know, we were in grad school with Mary Richards, and, you know, it was nice to see her developing that while we were in grad school. Her and Judith uh, Lasseter come up with some factoids And sometimes I think those factoids are nice to pass on to clients to start to teach them some basic anatomy. So I think it's important to remember that the lumbar curve is considered a secondary curve. Mm -hmm. And that after the age of 25, the intervertebral discs no longer receive a direct supply of blood. And the lumbar region has a lot of space between the spiny processes. So those discs are really thick and juicy and we want to keep them juicy. And one way to keep them juicy is through movement. We need to move the spine in all directions in order to keep that happening. And I know that as I'm aging, I am drawn more to back bends and twists, you know, to help me keep my chest and and belly open to improve my kidney chi because I feel like it's starting to become a little more stagnant as I age. You know, the other thing I want to bring up too is that I'm a pretty curvy girl. 
And so many teachers throughout my time of practicing my movement has told me, you know, tuck my tail, tuck my tail. Yeah, that's the (laughs) the thing we hear a lot that makes us cringe. Yeah, (laughs) and you know, it was really painful for me because it would send my femurs forward. You know, it kind of turns off or weakens the abdominal muscles. You know, it was really uncomfortable and and this isn't protecting the spine. It quite frankly, it's creating the opposite effect. And what, what we really want is stability and length for the vertebral column. So that means that we have to allow our natural curves to be there in the spine. Right. And the lumbar spine in particular, unlike the other parts of the spine that are kind of connected to other parts of our anatomy or pelvis or rib cage, the lumbar spine is kind of out there on its own. So in all the ways that it moves around, then um, what you need is the stability of the body around it Mm -hmm. to kind of keep it strong. And at the same time, like you're saying, to keep that mobility available, to keep those Everything juicy, as you say, working well, well. Yeah, I mean, the lumbar spine was was really designed to function best under weight-bearing structure. So in order for that to be at its maximum, the lumbar spine needs to be in its neutral position. And the lumbar spine consists of five massive kidney-shaped vertebrae. Mm-hmm. We've heard this, you know, the act of sitting takes our spine out of alignment And my family lives about three and a half hours away from me. And, you know, parents are aging and and things are happening. And so I've gotten some emergency calls to meet people at hospitals. And uh, that drive can become really intense. Mm -hmm. And uh, doing some yoga therapy work with Veronica Zador, she had pointed out to me that my sitting had become very rigid. No matter when I was sitting, I was holding kind of this rigid kind of panicked posture and most likely it started to stem when I was making those frequent trips and right because you're under stress because yeah. it's an emergency call and then yeah. you're, you're seated so then you're and you also, have three and a half hours to ruminate of all right. the worst case scenarios right oh, yeah. uh, but then my friend Mary Richards who's also a yoga therapist and an anatomy nerd taught me how to address this so the position of my pelvis is key for me and sitting comfortably And Mary shares that the ideal angle between your torso and your femur is 120 degrees. So you really need to lift the pelvis up. For me, too, you know, because I had a a horseback riding accident, my right side is upslipped. So not only did I need to raise my hips higher than my knees when I sit, I also need to put a little padding underneath my left sits bone so that that right sits bone can hang, have more space to hang. And that's really helped me find a more comfortable seated position. Well, and that's fantastic. And you saying that, it reminds me, I think it's good that we kind of develop our own, like what feels good and feels appropriate for us. Additionally, I think talking about cars in general, And I noticed this when we were in school because we got a rental car every week and it was something different while we were there. You know, the seats that angle back and down kind of sports car seats where your hips are sitting way lower than your knees are way up. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you drove three hours in a car like that, how is that going to torque your back and make you feel so uncomfortable and terrible? So there's something to be said for kind of learning what feels good for you when it comes to being in a vehicle and what the degree is for your torso, your femurs, where you should be kind of neutral 
pelvis mm-hmm. so that your your lumbar spine is protected when you're sitting and driving. Same for office chairs and uh, any other kind of, you know, having things to be kind of ergonomic to your back anytime you're sitting for long periods of time. Yeah, and Judith one time when I was listening to one of her online recordings, you know, she was saying that when you're sitting to roll the pubic bone down, um, in a seated position to allow for a neutral pelvis instead of kind of slunching into a posterior tilt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it goes back to if the pelvis is your pot in which your spine grows out of, right, we've got to pay attention to that pot. You know, where where is it positioned? Because we want our spine to, to have its maximum function. Sure. And do you think that in that position, like not only are you kind of mutating the pelvis properly so that the spine grows up out of it, but additionally thinking about good posture and strong core strength plays into it a little bit as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want the musculature to support the spine right along with it. So then you start to kind of build up through the spine and where the rest of your posture is when you're sitting. So yeah. you kind of start at that base. It's very true. And we, I had a conversation with a client recently who is older now, but, you know, she was in the ballet world and we were talking about how, you know, women, once the digital age came into we feel like it even got worse in our perspective because they could take out curves of women. But yeah, if you go to the Museum of Art, you can see that women, you know, had voluptuous kind of curves. And so I think that as females, because we started getting this message that we should be straight, we started tucking our tail, really pulling in the belly. And what that's doing is weakening our abs and creating some constipation and clamping down on that sacrum versus if we really do find a neutral pelvis when we're standing, you know, you can feel your abs and the spine just naturally lift up, which gives us a nice posture. And for me, since I've been aware of that, even my standing posture while I'm teaching, my hips don't hurt as much. I can feel that internal strength easier without having this compression or compacted feeling. Right. And your stability doesn't come from, oh, got to draw that navel in, got to, you know, yeah. the, your stability comes from your rudder, your sacrum yeah, versus that kind of, it, when you said um, media, and it made me think of that supermodel walk when you, when you were talking about, you know, so where the hips are really thrust forward mm-hmm. and it's almost kind of like that lean back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be terrible for your back. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girls. Yes. So now that we have kind of an idea of the vertebral column, the three natural curves, the four parts of the spine, what are we looking at as far as how yoga can help and the other exercise therapies too but starting with strengthening muscles for support so we can think a little of lots of asanas even tadasana which is standing and finding that neutral pelvis yeah and i feel like tadasana is overlooked a lot very important definitely but that's a, a place to begin with strengthening and finding muscles to support the low back increasing flexibility So yoga is definitely known for that. Maybe even gets a little bit of a bad rap because people expect the stretch to be a little unattainable. Sometimes when they, when you say yoga and stretching together, then people think, oh, well, you have to be like a pretzel. Hmm. And that's not the case. But what it's used for is the elongation of the muscles, again, for 
Well, as, as we age, we're drying out, and what we want to do is keep the tissues as subtle as possible so yeah. that fluids can be there. We can have the range of motion that we desire, and with that comes health. Right. The supple, supple tissue. Re-educating posture and movement techniques. So I feel like yoga and Pilates is probably as well really good for this, for re-educating the body and kind of getting out of poor habits or compensation patterns that we've developed because of injury or pain. You can probably speak to that a little bit, Kim, as far as, you know, over or under compensating in one area. Yeah, I mean, if you've had a traumatic injury, you do develop compensation patterns um, because as you're healing, you just want to move. For me, you know, somatic awareness movements have helped quite a bit. The Pilates equipment helped me being able to make shapes close chain Mm -hmm. really um, helped me find organization in my bone and that neurological feedback. You know, in yoga, they use the yoga wall or some of the Iyengar props can help with that as well. Sure. Well, and just increased body awareness. Mm -hmm. So anything that you do, so you have low back pain, let's say you drive a desk all day, Mm -hmm. you have low back pain and you're like, oh, my doctor recommends that I do some yoga. For the average person that doesn't have a ton of body awareness, except for this signal saying, hey, this part hurts, something's not right here. Yoga and other movement therapies really can give you the body awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yoga allowed me to explore movement pain-free. And then, as I shared just a moment ago, closed chain allowed me to sit with my nervous system and get out of that bracing kind of self-protection so that I could release even further and find that. For our listeners, explain closed chain exercise versus open chain, which I think most people know. But It means that your hands and feet are always touching something. Mm -hmm. So downward-facing dog. Mm-hmm. could be closed chain, right? If your feet and hands are touching sure. something. If you're at the um, wall. If you're you know, like uh, balancing half moon, if you're not at a wall, you know, three of your two hands and a foot aren't touching anything. You only have one foot touching the sure. floor. So that would be more open chain. That would have been more difficult for me when I was coming off my accident to find. So being able to do balancing half moon with a block at the wall, even with another wall so that my foot could touch Mm -hmm. one wall, I could find more comfort and ease in that and be with my breath more. Excellent. And finally, thinking about how yoga and other uh, exercise therapies work, getting a sense of perception when it comes to pain. So decreased and increased pain and understanding when you're working with it, what's discomfort, what's something that you should maybe challenge yourself through or work with because you're getting stronger, and then what's pain as far as your body really signaling that you shouldn't be doing something. So my teacher always said, uh, hurting is not healing. So if you're in pain, in pain then you really need to reassess whether or not it's a movement or a posture that you should be in. And at the same time, if you're in something that's causing discomfort because you get a sense that maybe it is working, maybe there's muscles that are getting fatigued that you haven't used and you're trying to build them, or maybe there's a little bit of flexibility that you could gain, then there's a difference between discomfort and pain. And so exercise therapies and yoga give you those cues Mm -hmm. 
and kind of give you permission to explore them, I think, a lot more than um, if you were working with free weights or something. Yeah, and I think, too, if you understand that the lumbar spine was made for flexion and, and extension and a little less for twisting, you know, that, again, will, will give you a, a starting point to explore from. Excellent. You know, I have found with working with a lot of clients with low back pain that there are emotions that are held in the low back. Sure. The low back has all of this weight and responsibility of being a human being because it supports the weight from above. Mm -hmm. We live in gravity too, right? Which is weight. And just as you carry the weight of your responsibility of the world. So if there is no one to help you with the load, no sense of being supported, uh, this part of the back may give way. And this area also helps, it has to do with survival, security, self-support. So sure, if you think about the chakras that are aligned yeah, in that yeah, area. Yeah, the first and second chakras, yeah. right? If you're feeling insecure, perhaps, unable to meet other people's expectations, then, you know, that pressure can be felt in the low back as well. Sure. As you speak of that, and again, we'll cover this in a, as we move on to a different part of the spine, because we're going to cover cervical and thoracic stuff later. But thinking about when something's a pain in the neck, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, similarly, pain in the back can be the same, dealing with difficult people or difficult emotions, different processes can compartmentalize in that area of the body. Yeah. And you can think of this in questions like, um, have you tried asking for help? And for me, asking for help is very difficult based off some past traumas that have happened in my life. So for me, I, I have this thing that, you know, asking for help can be dangerous. So if you think about the emotions of the back, you know, it's very difficult for me to get to that. Oftentimes my back has to speak to me before I realize, oh, you know, I'm probably going to need to take myself out of my comfort zone and ask for support. Another thing to ask yourself is, do you want to curl up and hide? You know, I've been cleaning out my emotional closets and, you know, sometimes I can make space for it. And other times I just want to curl up in my bed and pretend like nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And the last question that I'd like to leave you with is, do you doubt your ability to support yourself? And there are many of us in Michigan, you know, when the bubble bursted that were devastated, people were leaving our state in the millions. Right. Because financially, when the housing market crashed and everything else went down. Yeah. There's been a lot of financial instability, instability just in general, uh, housing instability, financial instability Mm -hmm. in our area. And so I think that's maybe why we have seen an influx of low back pain as well. Possibly. I definitely like the idea of just ability to support yourself in general, thinking about how the back really is supporting. So a lot of times when I sit in meditation, you know, it's advised that you sit yourself up nice and tall. And I really like to picture myself as kind of like a tree rooting down through my sacrum and really grounding there, but growing up through that all the way up my vertebral column to the crown of my head. So really thinking about, and again, that's the area, the lumbar spine is the area that needs the most stability, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the area where you're kind of growing up from, and that's where you need the most support. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense that that, that word 
and that question kind of tie together if you feel supported and not just financially, emotionally, spiritually, um, how supported do you feel? Well, that's wonderful. Yoga is the probably, I mean, we're biased, right? <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> uh, one of the most terrific tools for low back pain. It is the most common thing that I see people come in with. People are often referred to me through yoga therapy and just yoga classes in general, just coming into a class. My doctor said I should try this. I've got some low back pain. So understanding your anatomical needs and moving accordingly can really change your life. And yoga can really help you do that. Other movement exercises as well. But I think the piece that yoga therapy offers that maybe even something as strict and just as supportive like Pilates, you know, yoga therapy asks those other questions, asks, you know, are you feeling supported? Mm -hmm. Um, Looks at the whole body, what other areas of your life, uh, what else is going on? How much are you paying attention to what's really pain, what's really discomfort, what you're capable of, really taking the time to get quiet and go inside? So I really think that... um, Yoga is a tool that can really change from the inside out what's going on with your back pain. And I think also it can be really valuable preventative medicine. Yeah, I feel understanding some basic anatomy gives your clients empowerment to discern uh, what's right for them to embody the intentions of self-care. And, you know, everybody's mind is a little bit of hungry, you know, it's hungry for information. So feed it some factoids. Sure, absolutely. I think that's my favorite thing about practicing, especially in a setting where you have a teacher, an instructor that can give you just those little those little bits of information that you, you kind of just put in your back pocket and you take it away and you're like, oh, I like that she said that. I like that how different things can compartmentalize in your body or to think about being a tree rooting up from the earth. All those little pieces are nice. So a few resources. We you heard us talk today about experiential anatomy with our good friends Judith Hansen Lassiter, Lizzie Lassiter, and Mary Richards. Additionally, take a look at the uh, back care basics, yoga for a healthy back, principles of yoga and healthcare, um, awakening the spine. Yoga Body, Your Body Speaks Your Mind. All of these books and references and their authors' names are going to be available on our website. So you can go to wherethelotusgrows.com, find all of that information. We'd also love to hear from you. Reach out to us and let us know how yoga has helped you with your low back pain. Also, find us on all the fun social media sites. Send us an email, give us a tweet. Next week, we're going to be talking about breathing your way into happiness and asking you, do you really know what makes you happy? Look out for extra content on our website soon. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com. Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one.
Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.